Hello everyone and welcome to a special episode of the Archaeological Fantasies podcast and it is special because it is part of the Dirt Moss Vlogmas series that I am doing over on my YouTube channel but I thought it would be fun to yank the audio out of that video and put it up as a podcast just for this special season. Also, it allows me to put a new podcast episode out for you. And I also know that there are some people out there who'd like to just listen to the videos, so I figured I'd cut that video step out for you. If you like it, let me know. I may continue to do a similar procedure in the future. And if you don't like it, also let me know, because I don't want to put stuff up that you guys don't want to listen to. So without further ado, let's get into the episode about watching a video on YouTube about strange unidentified artifacts and I am slowly gathering up a new list of things to research. Field Notes 12 6 20, 21. Not much to report today. With any luck, there won't be much to report until after the snow thaws. Hello church church and shards and hopefully this will be the last video in this look. But uh, as I was putting my makeup on today, I did actually record myself doing it. Um, but I'm probably not going to put it up because I have so many camera problems. So many fucking camera problems. Anyway, what I was thinking about was talking about this particular video. This 12 most incredible finds that scientists can't explain. Some of them are archaeological in nature. My voice is so blown. Please bear with me. But anyway, I wanted to watch this first one because there's another one that popped up in my feed because, of course, since I watched one, clearly I must want to watch all of them. Uh, but what it was interesting to me is there were some new things on here that are new to the whole, like, archaeologists have no idea what they're looking at. More mysterious artifact. So I just thought that would be kind of interesting to look at together. And... If I see one that I am particularly interested in, which there is one, it's at the end, um, I want to do some more background history on it and maybe actually turn it into a podcast episode. Uh, again, I don't know exactly like how truly interested people are in the existence of these things individually. Like, It's not like like the Koso artifact where like everybody knows what it is. Everybody wants to try to use it to prove something like there's books and papers and shit written about the Koso artifact. So I don't know how many of these have like a following, I guess is what I should say, or even a history of being around. But if I see one that I think is really interesting, I will probably do a deeper dive. I'll probably do a deeper dive and we can learn more about it together. And it'll be archaeological fantasies because, like, yeah, no way. Anyway, let's get started on the video. I left all their information up because I feel like uh, that's probably the best way to do this because it's not my video. And uh, I wish I got views like that. Oh, sexy, sexy views. Anyway, <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what I would do if I got views like that, man. 54K people, like... <laughs> How many comments are even on this thing? The comments alone. The idea of having that many people leaving comments alone is just like terrifying to me. We love a good mystery. As fascinating as it is when an archaeologist pulls something out of the ground and is immediately able to tell us all about what it is and what it says about the people who came before us, we are much more excited when they come across something they can't explain. 
Even with all our current technology, the amount of information we're missing about our ancestors and the way they lived is startling. Perhaps we'd understand them a little better if we correctly understood the purpose of the strange artifacts you're about to see. Can we just, like... That was an actual dig. That was actual archaeologists doing an actual dig. And now it's Indiana Jones. How many of you people even know... You people. How many of you people from the younger generations? You all whippersnappers. How many of you even know who the hell Indiana Jones is? Like, seriously. Outside of this clip. Beyond this clip. How many of you even know who Indiana Jones is? In this video. Our first mysterious artifact doesn't come from just one place in Europe, but from all over the continent. And scientists can't agree on whether they occur naturally or whether human hands fashioned them. Between 700 BCE and 300 BCE, a series of stone-walled forts were built in Europe on hilltops. That alone isn't unusual, but what does make them unusual is the fact that there are parts of those walls that have fused together into glass. Even now, so many years later, the remnants of air bubbles can be seen inside the glass, proving that the rock was once subjected to incredibly high temperatures. Experts refer to the phenomenon as the vitrified fortresses of Europe. Of all the countries within Europe, Scotland is the place where most examples can be found. John Williams was the first researcher to identify them back in 1777, but in the 250 years since, nobody has been able to shed any light on how this process could have happened. The kind of extreme and sustained heat that would be needed to vitrify the rock on purpose shouldn't have been achievable by the people of the era. Deep in the all time. Well, I mean, obviously it was dragons. Um, I don't know much about the vitrified fortresses. I do know that they are an actual, like, thing. I don't know the details, but it won't be hard to look up. Because uh, I've heard about it before. I know they're a real thing. I know you can go see structures that are supposedly vitrified. And I'm not sure about the details beyond that. So I will definitely be looking this one up. But I mean, if you are in Europe, it is something you can go see. And and obviously it was dragons. We, we've all seen the dragon movies. We've all seen Lord of the Rings. High mountains, you'll find a getaway that may not actually be a getaway. The majority of geologists insist that this door-shaped object is a natural formation that happens to look like a gateway. But there are plenty of people who say that the smooth edges and contours mean that it must have been built deliberately. Unsurprisingly, a lot of legends and rumors have sprung up around the mysterious structure. To the people who believe in the myths, this is Ehrlich's Gate, a name that has caught on so strongly that even people who don't believe the tale use it to refer to the rock formation. The legend says that Ehrlich was a dwarf who ruled the lower world, and he used this gateway as a portal between the lower world and the world that we all occupy. He didn't make the journey just for his own amusement. He would enter our world to harvest human souls during the night, and then take them back to his kingdom before morning arrived. The story is more than a little fanciful, so perhaps it is just a strange natural rock formation after all. There's a lot that we don't... I mean, just going off of the name of Ehrlich, uh, and the fact that he's a dwarf, it kind of tells me that it's kind of like a, a more... Uh, Nordic myth that we're dealing with here, uh, which kind of explains a lot if you if you know anything about the mythology of the area. I like they do believe in Landolfs. They well they did. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, land spirits, a lot of dwarves, a lot of elves, um, and the whole like having to get back before uh, daylight. Uh, dwarves would turn to stone in direct sunlight so i mean but this is all the, the this is the myth the myths and the fairy tales um uh, i mean come on guys it's clearly it's clearly natural i mean look at the way the, the rest of the rocks around it are breaking they break 
those rocks are breaking at a very sharp angular way so i don't understand why i get why people initially think it looks like a doorway yes but just look at the area around it and it's clearly natural now having said that um I think I actually did a podcast with the Spooky Science Sisters about caves as portals to the underworld. So seeing something like that in a rock formation that is still embedded in the ground, I mean, I can see why if it's as old as it is, which I mean, it's rocks. So yes. Uh, and it's already associated with dwarves. I can see why that happens. Like the whole concept of a, an, an impassable doorway or impassable gateway is truly a portal to another realm. You see that in a lot of mythology, um, European mythology, again, it's all revolving around like fairies and dwarves and literal fairy tales. I mean, that kind of stuff. Um, you even see like, you can even do a callback to um, the most, to uh, Beetlejuice, if you've seen it. There's a there's a point in Beetlejuice where the two ghosts, the two the couple that has recently passed away, they need to get to the underworld so they can register themselves. And to do that, they had to draw a false door in their brick wall with a piece of chalk. And then they had to knock three times on the the false door that they created. And then the door opened and allowed them to pass into a new uh, a new world. So it's it's a common theme that we see even in the modern era because it's a neat idea. Like how many of us used to make, how many of us really thought that we could like, I don't know, walk through a tree if we drew a door on it. I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but I had a good time playing in the woods is what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway. Know about the Mexico of pre-Columbian times. But quite high on the list of mysteries is how and why the Mesoamerican Indians chose to make so many complicated structures out of obsidian. Obsidian is a form of volcanic glass that's exceptionally difficult to make sculptures out of without breaking the material even by modern standards. But apparently our distant Mexican ancestors had no qualms or difficulties about working with such fragile rock. Some of the structures they made defy explanation. This ornate monkey sculpture is easy enough to understand, but what do they mean by sculpting something that so closely resembles a compact disc? And what are these cylindrical items? Okay. This is one of the points where this video just kind of like low-key pisses me off. These are ear spools. We use them today. I'm sure you have at some point seen someone who has plugs in their ears because they're stretching their earlobes. I'm sure you have all seen videos of someone, a living modern person who has a giant hole in their lip that they keep stretching out using gauges. It's the same damn thing. That's all you're looking at. I mean, they're cool. They're obsidian. They're made out of obsidian. And, you know, they're probably kind of heavy, I would imagine. Um, <clears throat> which means, I mean, they're probably really cool just in general. Obsidian's really pretty. Um, but they're jewelry. You're looking at body jewelry. Why is that so hard for people to understand? Why, why, why can people not make connections to the past, I, it blows my mind. Anyway. If they're not spools, similar to the type of device you find in a modern sewing machine. It's nothing like a device that you would see. I mean, yeah, my bobbin looks like that, but 
whatever. These ancient artifacts were made without the use of- And these are- Why do people have such a hard time with this? There's even depictions of people wearing jewelry where it's a large circle with other beads and such around it that is being worn. Gor gorget? I believe they're called gorgets. It's it's an incredibly common type of jewelry that is worn by not just this culture, but by other cultures around the world. Because one of the easiest geometric shapes to make is a freaking circle. I just... Anyway. Any power tools or a lathe, both of which would be required as an absolute minimum to achieve this type of precision today. And that's a flat-out lie. What he just said is absolutely a flat-out lie. I know friends, I have friends who work obsidian to this day with what would be considered primitive tools. It is difficult because obsidian does break very easily, which is one of the reasons why it was used in weapons. So, you know, clearly it's easy to use. So this claim is just straight up BS. Can you tell I'm irritated? The ancient Mexican art of obsidian sculpture is a total mystery to us. It's not. Almost though. total mystery surrounds the existence oh, of this clay tablet, which was discovered on a coastline in the United States of America. Fans of Lovecraft probably think it looks very familiar, though. The creature that's been etched onto the front of it looks almost exactly like Cthulhu, who made his first appearance. Gee, I wonder why it looks exactly like Cthulhu. Also, this is not the official artwork. There's only one official picture of Cthulhu that Lovecraft ever gave his thumbs up to, so, and this isn't it. In Lovecraft's story, The Call of Cthulhu, in 1928. Since then, Lovecraft enthusiasts have created their own Cthulhu mythology, which some people treat as if it were a religion, so it's entirely possible that a Cthulhu devotee made this tablet and deposited it on the coastline for someone else to find. It might not be that straightforward. I mean, it's also entirely possible that some artist made it. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a devout old one's worshipper. Like, it's a weird object, yes. It's weird that it was found there. <laughs> But it doesn't mean it. It doesn't mean any of these things. No. We don't currently know the age of the tablet. And this is a completely different tablet. This is different than the one that they showed at the beginning. Also, props for, like, attempting to make it look like you're using cuneiform, even though you were clearly not. That's not the same one from the beginning. Yeah, no. That is totally not the same. So, not only, I mean, yeah, they're similar, but that is not the same. I love my place. This one's clearly better artistically put together. I mean, it's, and the sides don't look all like bloated and stuff. Yeah, that is not the same. It's not even the same size. Also, this one looks like it's made out of, like, terracotta or something. The other one looks like it's made out of, like, sculpty clay. Fun fact about Lovecraft. People, I mean, there's a lot of them. Uh, people like to, he's not wrong, the, the talker on the video isn't wrong that there is, like, a group of people out there that think that the old ones are real and that they are really out there. And I, I don't know if they worship them or whatever. I don't know. But they are a real group of people. I think they're a very small group of people, but they do exist. Um, 
But all through his life, Cthulhu did it again. Lovecraft, his stories were so vivid for people, especially people in the time period that he was writing in, that they really kind of glommed onto it and it, it really hit a nerve with people and they really liked it. And there have always been a group of people that have suspected that Lovecraft was writing about a real, real thing, real ancient gods and that kind of stuff um if you read a lot of lovecraft especially like read across the timeline like read his early stuff and then read his middle stuff read his stuff chrono chronologically you can literally see the development of the idea of the old ones from his earliest writings all the way up to his final writings <clears throat> and you can also see when um the influence of his writing cohort starts to get into his writing because he wrote with a group of people later on and they they all wrote about the same kind of stuff they were all writing the same genre they were kind of borrowing ideas from each other and using them in their own stories and kind of passing them around and this was something that lovecraft loved lovecraft liked and encouraged Another thing that Lovecraft would always do, though, is when people would come to him and be like, oh, we know you're writing about something real. Lovecraft never admitted, admitted, Lovecraft always said that his writings were his own, they were his own creation, and that he was not influenced by outside gods or anything and it would have been really really easy for him to kind of glom onto that and just kind of build off of it. Um, kind of like L. Ron Hubbard, but he didn't. And considering Lovecraft's ego, I don't think Lovecraft was capable of allowing people to think that his creation belonged to anything other than himself. Um, Lovecraft had a lot of flaws, and that that kind of is one of them. He he's proud of his work and there was no way he was going to try to pull one over on people even if it would have made his writing more popular he was proud of the fact that he created these ideas and that these ideas were popular because of his writing my point is people are projecting this desire for the the old ones to be real they're projecting that onto lovecraft even though he always denies it he's never tried to say these things are real anyway the only thing scientists know for sure about the giants of mont prama is that they exist beyond that everything else is speculation and guesswork the most popular theory that currently prevails regarding the origin of the eight-foot-tall sculptures is that they're a product of the Nuragic civilization who lived on Sardinia between 1800 to 240 BCE when they lost their land to the ever-expanding Roman Empire. They left very little behind themselves in the form of written records, and unusually, there are few mentions made of them in the writings of any other civilization or culture. What they did leave behind, though, is their stonework, and the giant statues may be examples of it at its best. It wasn't until 1974 that the sculptures were found close to Cabras in the island's west, and they immediately puzzled the team that found them because of the large disc shapes that represent their eyes. Because ancient tombs were found close to their position, it might be that they're intended to be guardians of the dead. But yet again, that's just a guess. It's not I mean, I don't know much about the Nuragut civilization, but statues is statues. Artwork is artwork. Uh, it, they're cool. But why are we flipping out about their eyes? Have you seen the Moai statues? Well, of course, everybody thinks those are weird, too. Like, weird like aliens weird. 
Um, I'd have to do more research into the Nurik civilization in Sardonia. Sounds cool. Definitely on my list. Uh, but I suspect, I suspect that it's, it's just art. Uh, and yeah, if they're associated with the tombs, probably there's some kind of like tomb guardians, maybe. Maybe they're supposed to depict the people buried inside. But again, it's all guesswork. And there's no reason for these to be mysterious. Like, <laughs> okay, anyway. Onward. To confuse us, we have even more questions about these statues from Jordan, which are more than 8,000 years old and were discovered at the Neolithic settlement of Ain Ghazal okay. in 1983. The figures were close to two of the oldest temples ever to be found anywhere cool. on the planet. The oddly designed sculptures are humanoid, but were made without arms and don't have any distinguishing features that would identify their intended gender. Perhaps the most haunting thing about them is their eyes, which are lifelike and thickly lined. Between the eyes and the strangely small ears, it's challenging to identify which race of people they're supposed to represent, if any at all. Some of the plaster sculptures are only two feet tall. Didn't he just say they don't have arms? What, what, what are you calling those? Like, this is what I love about pseudoscience and these kind of shows. They, they're made without arms. Well, that looks like an arm to me. Just saying. It's clearly got a body shape. There's your arms. You're just standing there with your arms in front of you. Uh, I think the part about this one that irritates me more than anything, because I didn't notice the arms at first, um, is the whole idea that everything has to represent everything in the past has to directly resemble directly represent something real like this statue has to represent a certain ethnicity and a certain gender it is it is unacceptable that it does not and it's just like not Ancient people were capable of abstract thought. They were capable of imagination. They were capable of humor. They made jokes. Um, so why is it so hard for you to just be like, this represents people? Like, okay, it looks weird to you because, I mean, not a lot of people have Michael Jackson nose. Sorry, Michael Jackson fans. But it's like, oh, their eyes are so lifelike, so lifelike and, and heavily lined. Dude, if I saw somebody with eyes like that, I'd be taken to the hospital. Something is wrong. They need sleep. There's nothing, there's nothing normal about these eyes and then abnormal about the small ears and the way the nose is designed. I mean, the head is very human-shaped. The neck is human-shaped. The body is human-shaped. The legs are in the human placement. You have to look for the arms, apparently. It even looks like, like they're covered in, like, maybe a slip coating, or maybe they're, like, glazed in some variety. So maybe the reason why you can't see all the features that you desperately need to see in order to assign race and gender to these things to these inanimate objects, by the way, uh, is because they fell off because of the, the the glaze or the whatever on them. I don't know. This one just kind of ticked me off because they're just like, we can't tell what race or gender these statues are supposed to represent. They don't have to represent anything. When you see an animal sculpture from the prehistoric past, are you like immediately worried about what fucking gender the animal sculpture is no you just accept that it's an animal it's an antelope it's a rabbit 
it's a fox it's the same concept it's a person it represents a person if it i mean like and what if it is a god statue so anyway this one just kind of pushed a button on me um i don't know anything about these statues to be perfectly honest with you but it is another one that i'm probably going to go try and look up because it's not one i was aware of before this whereas others are six feet tall or even larger Unfortunately for us, the civilization who made the statues is no longer around to be asked about their purpose. We don't know which Neolithic artist to thank for the creation of these curiosities, and nor do we know who they're supposed to represent. If you talk about geoglyphs in Peru, most people will assume that you're referring to the world-famous... Okay, I, I'm already, I've already seen this one. And I just felt my blood pressure spike. Oh my god. Uh, this one's actually going to mention Daniken, Von Daniken. Um, so yeah, let's just get through it. Nazca lines. Far fewer people are aware that a mere 25 miles away there are more ancient etchings in the earth, and these are arguably even more impressive and puzzling. The geoglyphs can be found on a plateau known as Palpa Pampa and cover a wide area. Despite their clear visibility, Western eyes weren't first laid on them until Swiss researcher Eric von Däniken located them during the 1990s. At the I am almost if these are real, and I do not put anything past von Däniken as far as creating forgeries. If these are real, I guarantee you Von Daniken is not the person that discovered them. I will be looking into that because either A, these aren't real, or B, Von Daniken's taking credit for someone else's discovery. And if I am wrong, I will apologize, but I'm willing to bet that I am not, so. Top of the plateau, you'll find just over a dozen detailed anthropomorphic designs, including what appear to be human figures wearing feathered crowns and battle helmets. Far more impressive than the pictures of humans and animals, though, is the star figure, which is known as Estrella, and its companion sundial design. I have no idea what they're talking about there. What star figure? I don't see a star. Which should not be surprising at all, considering if this is if they're getting their information from anything Von Daniken wrote, God only knows what's really there. At the center of the sundial is a double helix, which may once have been the foundation of a labyrinth, right next the other issue with these videos are just they they just kind of interdisperse clips from whatever uh whatever they can find into these videos so i i don't even know if this is actually what we're supposed to be looking at how is that a double helix like if that's the actual thing how it, that's not a double helix this is not even close to a double helix to a crisscrossing pattern of bands and lines that may have been used to tell the time based on the position of the sun if you're brave yeah. enough to travel right into the heart of the Sahara, you'll eventually come across the Tenair Desert. It's a barren and inhospitable place with a name that translates into English as the place that contains nothing. The name is a little dishonest, though. It's not empty. It contains the largest animal petroglyphs ever discovered anywhere in the world, and they go by the name of the Davos Giraffes. The larger of the pair is 18 feet tall. The giraffes aren't even alone in the desert. They're accompanied by more than 800 more carvings of many different types of animals, including lions, camels, buffalo, and ostriches. The biggest question that experts have about the giraffe carvings is the straight line that appears to lead down from the mouth of the giraffes to the humanoid figures below them. Could they represent leads? If they do, is this evidence that early humans once domesticated giraffes in the same way they later did with horses? On many Hi, why would you make that assumption? First off, I don't know what he's talking about about these lines, so I'll have to go check that out. Secondly, why would you why would you think you can ride a giraffe? What what in the the physiology of a giraffe makes you go, I could ride that. I could use that as a beast of burden. Have you seen a giraffe? Probably, if anything, it's depicting like it's a pet. I don't know why you would keep a pet. 
a giraffe is a pet? I, d I don't know. But I also don't know why you would make that, why you would just leap to that assumption. Websites around the internet. You'll find people who claim that there was once a species of giant humans living on our planet alongside regular sized humans. There's very little evidence. To it was never giants. Never. To support their claim, but the existence of old battle weapons like these enormous Minoan axes helps to add a little credence to their claims. You can tell just by looking at them. No, no, it doesn't. It adds no credence to any claim ever. It's stupid that you would say, oh, I found a giant axe, ergo giants. No. It's... Ugh. ...that there's no way a normal-sized human would ever be able to pick them up or use them in battle. Ceremony, decoration, ritual, just to see if you could. All of the axes that have so far been recovered from the Minoan Megaron area of Nehru date back between 1700 and 1300 BCE, and some of them have been heavily and ornately decorated. And that right that there tells me that, that they were it's used just... for ceremonial or worshipful yeah. purposes. But picking them up for a ceremony would still have been extremely difficult, and we don't know of any culture who ever worshipped axes. That's just dumb. We don't know any culture that ever worshipped axes. You don't... Just because you have a big thing doesn't mean it was being worshipped. The axe could easily represent something. The fact that they're ornate, some of them are ornate, immediately tells me that they're ceremonial in nature, If even if it's just, you know, for display. Like... Just think of things today that we have that are giant-sized. It doesn't mean there's giants. It just means we like big things. It's so stupid. Their existence is a riddle, but that still doesn't mean that they were made for giant warriors. But yeah, we're going to let you assume It's that. likely that we'll never know all there is to know about the Great Pyramid of Giza and the structures that stand around it, especially when new mysteries come to light all the time. In 2018, 24 solid Aswan granite boxes were found inside a series of hillside caves just south of the pyramid, each one weighing more than 100 tons. Okay, they're south of the pyramid, and I think they predate the pyramid. Therefore, they have nothing to do with the pyramid. So thanks for giving us that false lead. There's something a little foreboding about the casket-shaped boxes. Perhaps it's the fact that they're a morbid shade of black. Or maybe it's the fact that we have no idea how the ancient Egyptians could have created such geometrically precise shapes, symmetrically perfect to a degree of a small number of microns. We have no idea how one of the most advanced civilizations on the planet was able to do something so advanced. <sighs> Because clearly they've never demonstrated in any way or any way, shape, or form how they're capable of doing geometric shapes. Like, I just, I, it, like, the sarcasm's not even there for it. I'm so tired of these claims. Okay, cool. They can make a right angle. Do you understand how easy it is to make a right angle? Go get two sticks out of your yard, two relatively straight sticks out of your yard and put them in a cross formation. Congratulations, you just made four right angles. Do they think people are not capable of understanding what a straight line is in the past? Like, how dumb do you think people are? If our ancestors were truly so inept that they couldn't do basic geometric shapes, how the hell do you think we got here today? I just like, I don't even know if these things are real. The hieroglyphs on their sides offer no clues as to their purpose and may even have been added years after the boxes were created, as an early form of graffiti. The site is now known as the Serapium of Saqqara, and is thought to date back approximately 3,300 years to the time of Ramses II. The boxes are so well made that they're still airtight even after all these years, but it's thought that they might contain the mummified remains of Apis bulls, which were worshipped. So far, you've only shown me one box in all of these pictures. You've only been showing one box. 
and maybe you only have pictures of one box and also how the hell did you get inside of it to take a measurement of the angle of it if it's sealed red flag by ancient egyptians as earthbound representations of the god ta Although it looks to some people like a sculpture of a hedgehog playing a mouth organ, this is the monolith of Tlaloc, a depiction of the Aztec god of rain that you'll find in Mexico City, and its history is almost as stormy as the god it represents. Even now, in these less superstitious times, people believe this statue has supernatural abilities. When it first arrived in Mexico City, it was followed by an enormous rainstorm that arrived out of season, and yet soaked the city for an entire week. That was some time after its discovery during the late 19th century near Cuadalanchan. It was likely built to encourage rain to fall on a field of maize, although for some mysterious reason, it was never completed. Perhaps that's for the best. Tributes to Tlaloc were often the site for the most gruesome of all human sacrifices because it was believed that Tlaloc specifically required the blood of children to generate rain. I, I always dismiss claims of human sacrifice without evidence, especially when it comes to child sacrifice, because it's just it's a way of pointing at a civilization or a group of people and being like, other, they're so weird, they're so different. So unless you've got some hard evidence to back that up, I would completely dismiss that claim altogether. Um, the whole rain thing, I mean, clearly we don't have to sacrifice children for it. Clearly the statue can create rain out of thin air. Oh, wait. Um, it also shouldn't be weird to find a giant statue near a cornfield. And I mean, we, we still to this day put random symbols up around our corn, our round fields and stuff. Um, so this one, I'd have to look into it a little bit, but I mean, if it's already been identified and it's clearly been moved from wherever location it was at, I mean, it's gone and unless you can prove to me without a doubt and i will have plenty of i will poke plenty of holes into any argument you provide for me about child sacrifice um then i just wish people would quit saying that wow i'm getting really like, really upset at this video <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> the storm that followed its arrival in mexico city in 1963 was unmatched during the dry season by any recorded storm before it or any storm that's happened since the only things we've been able to discern about the Longyao Caves in China have been determined by way of testing. As a result, we can tell you that they're approximately 2,200 years old, and they were therefore built before the beginning of the Qing Dynasty. Beyond that, everything is a mystery. There's plenty of writing, or what appears to be writing anyway, on the walls of the caves, but nobody has ever been able to translate it. It doesn't match any known language from this region, this period, or any other place or period in history. The carvings are precise and show evidence of chisel work. And yet if we accept that the caves were made with chisels, then we must also accept that well over 1,000 people must have been involved in digging them out for several decades. How was such a large-scale project possible without leaving a single historical record or identifying mark behind? People woefully underestimate manpower and skill level. Um... I don't know what they're talking about writing. I don't see anything that even remotely looks like writing. Unless they're saying all those little hash marks are writing, but we've already established that a chisel was used. So my guess is they're chisel marks. Um, these are really cool. I've never seen these before or heard about them. Uh, if this is the actual location, it's really pretty. It also looks really modern. Um... Just like, it looks really clean. It looks really modern to me. Uh, so that's going to be my guess. But again, I don't know. I don't know where he's getting his date from because I don't know anything about this. And I also know that like 
ancient art can sometimes look really modern if it's done really well. And this clearly is done really well. But also, like, you don't need to have thousands of people working hundreds of thousands of hours to do things. People really, 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 really overestimate how much labor a person can produce. Especially when they don't have to do all of the bullshit that we have to do in our modern era because we like to keep ourselves busy and go crazy. Um, when you have more time to dedicate to a project, you're going to get a project done faster. I'm not saying one person did this, though if the art style is cohesive from one end to the next, at least one person oversaw the whole thing, at least in my opinion. Um, but you know what? I might see if I can't find some really good pictures of this and send it to a couple people I know who are art historians and see what they have to say about it because they are slightly more informed than I am. And I might be able to actually find something else out about it. Another thing is, is like China is like, I've noticed is, is the new location for all of the weird stuff to be found because it's really hard to verify uh, anything that comes out of China just because of like information walls. Um, people like to point fingers at China right now, China, the country, not China, the government. Um, because like, because of the Chinese government, it's really difficult for outside researchers to get in there and like, look at anything. Um, which my opinion is, is like, that's China's right. It's, it's, it's Chinese land. It's, it's Chinese history, whatever. It's, it's their thing to fuck up, whatever. Um, but it also makes stuff like this really hard to verify, uh, and really hard to research. So I will be looking into this one because I think it's pretty and I think it's cool. And I, I really don't understand what he's talking about when he says writing. I don't see anything that even remotely looks like writing. Um, but clearly you can go into it. It's lit. There's at least one ramp. I think in the pictures I saw another ramp. It looks like there's places for people to sit. Um, there's barricades built up around things. So it's clearly something that people are meant to go into and look at so it's open to the public um i don't know so i i guess what i'm saying is it can't be that weird uh but i'll have to look into it and find out more about it and see what the internet has to say and then i'll ask my friends about it because they'll probably know a little bit more than i do i i, I hope that's the end of this i still don't know what he's talking about like, is he literally saying these clear swoopy lines? Like, that's not writing. Those are just swoopy lines. That doesn't even resemble writing. But yeah, you can see it's built out. It's meant to be gone into, and it, it's got support rafters and all kinds of stuff. They've got plants. Someone's put plants in. There's this very modern lighting. Which means if I ever go to China, I can go visit this place. Unless someone finally gets a handle on what the inscriptions might say, it's likely that we are never going to find out. So uh, if you want to go to subscribe to this channel, please feel free to do so. The information's right here. Um, and as you can see, there's already two other videos and I'm like, I could totally do those. I liked this one because it gave me some things that I've not heard of before. I highly doubt any of them are that mysterious. They're probably already explained and this channel's just choosing to ignore that because ratings, I mean, can't beat those views. Um, I don't know where I was going with that other than like, I'm jealous.
but I probably will look at some of their other videos just to kind of like get some ideas. And I'll definitely be looking over some of the locations and objects that were mentioned um, just because they're cool looking and I want to know more about them. And the Von Daniken thing, like anytime his name pops up, I just immediately go, okay, that's full of shit. And I'm almost positive it is. So that one I'm going to look up just because I'm going to hate watch it. <laughs> so sad to say. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think most of these locations, most of these, I think most of these things are just not, I think most of these things are cool. I'm interested in knowing more about them. I don't think they're mysterious. I don't think they're unexplainable. Uh, I'm pretty sure they probably have some explanation already attached to them that this video is choosing to ignore. But, uh... Some of these are really kind of cool and I might actually end up doing some videos in the future or podcast episodes in the future about them, especially if I can find anybody who's like personally knowledgeable about them. That would be really cool, especially those the ones about the like the ancient temples, just finding someone who maybe worked on that. That would be really neat. Um, if you liked this video, please give it a thumbs up. If you got this far in the video, leave a moai statue i think they have an emo emoji for the moai statue with the easter island head and if you didn't like it go ahead and give it a thumbs down the world will never know and if you uh, want to leave a comment leave a comment i will try to respond to them as long as they are relevant to the conversation and uh, yeah i hope you're all enjoying your vlogmas season dirtmas season whatever you do for the holidays season. If you don't celebrate the holidays, I hope you're having a good time anyway, and I will see you all in the next video. Ta-ta!